All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Big Blue Avenue. My name is Tom Scavetta, right off the train out of Sam Cardona, the girl who talks sports. Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing better this week. I think that that's safe to say. Um, I'm ready to get roasted for absolutely just demolishing the Giants last week and not having any faith in them. But I will take a win where a win is given. You know what I mean? Damn it, Sam. Why, why the Cardinals out of all teams? Why would you pick the Cardinals to beat the Giants? <laughs> just kidding. Uh, we'll talk about it all uh, tonight with the main focus on San Francisco. But for those of you who are new tuning in to this podcast for the first time, this is Big Blue Avenue. This is our third live stream of the season. Make sure to check us out on all of our social media on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Big Blue Avenue. Appreciate all the support. We provided some therapy last week for the folks at home uh, following that 40 to nothing debacle against the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, yeah, it was definitely a much better game this week, Sam. Uh, Very excited to chop it up tonight and very excited to talk about um, our guest as well. Very excited to have Brady Campbell on in just a few moments. But before we get there, I want to ask you, what was your reaction to this game down 28 to seven? First of all, it took like at least a year off of my life. I'm pretty sure because the beginning of that game was kind of like my anticipation going into that game, you know, like very bad start repeat of week one. Like I was like, of course, like this is what's happening. And I don't know what was said in the locker room. I don't know what went down at halftime, But these guys came in and, I mean, at least Daniel Jones for sure stepped up so hard and came back. It was – I think it was the biggest comeback in in the Giants Super Bowl era. Is that true? I feel like I heard that somewhere. Biggest comeback since around 1950 when they played the Baltimore Colts, I believe, was the exact number, which was 20-plus point comeback. So one for the history books. For sure. Surely it was. It was indeed. Um, but yeah, I like literally like towards the end of that, once we started scoring, I was just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like I would like, it, it was just, it was happiness, but also I was like, what's going on? So it was a lot, but my God, what a performance. It yeah. really was. It was a vision. Giants won that game 31 to 28. If you want to watch my full recap video on the game, check it out on our YouTube channel at Big Blue Avenue. We're going to keep this on the Cardinals relatively short, but. Sam, let's introduce our third party to yes. tonight, our guest, the one, the only voice of Long Island University Sports, Brady Campbell, uh, co-host of the Santa Maria podcast. Brady, warm welcome to the show. We're rolling out the red carpet for you tonight. First time on, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Much better than I was at this time last week when it comes to the Giants. So thank you so much for having me on, guys. Absolutely welcome. Uh, first off, Sam, I want you to introduce yourself a little bit to the folks, what you do for the brand, what you do at school, etc., and how you became a New York football Giants fan. So I'm Brady Campbell. I'm a senior uh, broadcasting major at Long Island University. I'm a part of the sports department of the radio station, the assistant sports director there. So I'm very involved in the LIU sporting events, specifically right now in the fall, the football games. Uh, me and my partner Joe travel with the team to call their games. So that that's always a good time, a lot of experience there. And how I became a Giants fan, I've really been a Giants fan since birth, um, especially on my dad's side. So my my dad, all the way back really to my grandfather, maybe even great-grandfather or diehard giant fans and really that whole side of the family especially and from a very young age i i love sports i love football and so the choice was was pretty easy as to what team i was going to root for um hasn't always been smooth sailing but it it's definitely been a, a fun ride with this with this team so far absolutely uh when I first met Sam, little fun fact, I thought Sam was a Packers fan. <laughs> it was a very funny story how that started out. 
Sam, yes. I want to explain that whole thing. I so I well, I am a I love Aaron Rodgers. Like he's one of my favorite quarterbacks. One of the reasons why back when I was like in middle school, I got into football to begin with. Um, and I came on Big Blue Avenue one year that the Giants were playing the Packers, and they were under the impression that. I was a Packers fan when really I just love Aaron Rodgers. And then afterwards they found out I was a Giants fan and all those events have led till today. <laughs> why I'm here every week. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, once again, Brady, thrilled to have you here today. Um, Want to get to your thoughts on the game in just a moment, but a couple comments here. Deanna and Karen saying, hi friends, let's go big blue. What's up? Hi, Deanna. Deanna. Sean Militello, Daniel Jones, the week two top performer for fantasy football out of every skill player out there. I think that segues into a good question, I think, for both of you. Um, Sam, we'll start with you here on this one. Uh, Daniel Jones, 92.5 pro football focus grade in. Jones made history in the second half of the game. I'll be honest, he did not play well in the first half. I mean, both of us love Daniel Jones. He was bad in the first half. Not like horrible, but he wasn't good. And then in the second half, completely turned it around. Looks like a top 10 quarterback in the league easily in that second half. What changed for him and what changed for the Giants offense? You know, I'd like to think that it seems like this team and like a lot of the guys on this roster perform so well when they're under pressure, when there's people missing, when there's injuries to the team. And obviously we didn't want to see Ben Bredesen go down, but I think Daniel Jones knew like, oh my God, like this offensive line is falling apart in front of my eyes. If I don't step up to the plate here, we are going to just get completely demolished by a crappy team like a crappy football team and I feel like I even noticed that last year when we dealt with injuries here and there like all of a sudden Daniel Jones just like shows up and plays these amazing games and people like are like oh my god like Daniel Jones is a good quarterback he's always been a good quarterback but not everybody sees it every week but I don't I think that it's that pressure that comes out and they're just like we have to win this game And Daniel Jones, I mean, we were even talking about it this week, Tom, like we have never seen so much emotion from this guy. And all of a sudden he's, you know, he's screaming, he's excited, he's pumped up and like turning into the leader that this team needs in times of crisis. Like when Saquon Barkley goes down and things along those lines, which is not the first time we've seen him step up to the plate. So I like to think that that's part of it. And just on top of it all, I'm sure Dable said stuff in the locker room as well, saying like, you know, like, let's get this win because this was the, this was our guaranteed win week, you know? So I like to think that it's a combination of all of those things and whatever it was, it worked because it, it, it that was the second half that we needed. How about you, Brady? Thoughts on the Giants comeback? Thoughts on Daniel Jones as the quarterback this season, career? Talk to me. What, what are you, what are you thinking? <laughs> I, I Put you on honestly agree with most of what Sam said. Um, I've always been a big Daniel Jones supporter as well through, through the good and bad. And he, like you said, he wasn't really that good. Obviously last week wasn't really his fault too much with it. I mean, he had like no, no protection whatsoever for a lot of that game did make some mistakes. And of course, in the first half of this game, he definitely struggled a bit along with really the offense as a whole could not get much going really at all. And then halftime hits and all of a sudden they, they received the ball first play deep shot to Jalen Hyatt two plays later, he takes it into the end zone and suddenly it's like, all right, we finally scored points I still wasn't feeling great about the game as a whole, especially when the Cardinals went down immediately and put themselves up 28 to seven, but the offense did not get phased whatsoever. Like you were saying, Daniel Jones looked like a completely different guy. Obviously we know him as kind of the reserved laid back, easygoing guy, but he, he, he looked like a beast out there. He, like you said, getting hyped up. He's the captain, one of the captains of the team, Obviously, usually the quarterback is, but he in that second half really looked like he took a step to being one of like really the captains 
of this team, marching the team down the field, drive in and drive out. And obviously it's hard to tell exactly what the team's direction is right now. And now they're dealing with some, some important injuries, but that was a, a huge second half to come back, win that game. Maybe, obviously it's tough with a bit of injuries and a very difficult schedule. Maybe build a little bit of confidence though, because the, the defense, other than like really the first drive, they, they started to pick their game up a bit as well and force the Cardinals into a few big three and outs to, to give the offense another chance to go down and score and get the game tied and win. So I'm obviously tomorrow night's going to be very tough against a good 49er team, but I'm hoping they could take some confidence they had from this last game and, and take it with them for the next few weeks. No, absolutely. You're right. And Sam, I agree with you as well. Um, the offensive line showed progress. Mark Lewinsky got benched. Um, <laughs> and then he had to come back in. Keithen and had to come back in for Bredesen, who suffered a concussion. Um, it, it showed pro- – I mean, what was it? It was a Zudu, Glowinski by the end of the game, JMS, McKeithen, and then Neal. Yeah. It looked much better than it did last week with Andrew Thomas, and I think it's just the guards overall played better. You know, like benching Glow was a smart idea. I mean, Bredesen is not a bad guard at all. And McKeithen, I thought, held his own. You know, Azudu, too, a left tackle. Each player gave up a sack. Yes, uh, their PFF pass block win rate what wasn't through the roof, but it was solid. It was very, very solid. You know, nine times out of ten, they're not letting a guy hit their quarterback. Again, it's the Cardinals. So take with that what you will. But overall, you know, Brady mentioned no Saquon, no Andrew Thomas. That that hurts blocking a little bit too against you know the 49ers coming up. So I mean, what are our takeaways from this offensive line? I, I, I I'm still not confident in it at all. Um, and the biggest question mark for me at this point, since Glowinski is benched, is Evan Neal. I yeah. not that he can't start in the NFL. He needs more time, but he might be better suited as a guard. And unfortunately, if that transition is to come, I don't think it'll happen until the offseason. Yeah, no, I think that the um, the offensive line is probably the weakest part of our team right now, I'd like to think, um, because, I mean, we're dealing with just backups here, backups there, guys who've been benched having to come in because people are getting like, it's not ideal. Um, and I think you're right about Neil I think we talked about that last week too about how it seems like it's just going to be a question mark this entire year until we actually see him step up to the plate um but they were able to get it done I I can't imagine though I'm like picturing Nick Bosa right now just completely ramming through these guys and taking Daniel Jones down. And that's the concern there is going up against guys like Nick Bosa and defenses as strong as the 49ers. That's like, yes, the Cardinals are one thing. 49ers defense, I think we're in a completely different ballpark in that retrospect. What do you think, Brady? Yeah, honestly, I I can picture it too right now. I think it, it could be a very tough game for the offensive line. Daniel Jones probably going to have to get the ball out a bit quicker than he had to for, for most of last week, especially with the guys like Nick Bosa, probably at some points at least going to be torching our line. And it's going to be interesting to see as well with the running game now, Breida, Gray, Brightwell, whoever kind of gets the, the main load there, whoever plays, if they can hold up enough in the run game as well, because despite the fact that Saquon went down, I think that's still going to be a very important part of our game, especially in this upcoming matchup. And um, also, once again, back in the passing game, I'm excited to see uh, Jalen Hyatt. We haven't seen too much of him, but he made some incredible plays last week. And the rookie who was basically a steal from us, but we weren't too sure what we were going to get in this offense. I, I think he made some incredible plays. I'm really excited, you know, tomorrow and the rest of the way. Um, hopefully these guys could stay healthy as well, because the last few years that that's been an issue for some of our skill position guys, um, Shepard, especially 
Wandale last year as well. But I I think it took a few games or, or a game and a half, but the the weapons that we were getting excited for around Jones that kind of finally showed up really paid off mm-hmm. in that second half. And I'm excited to see, once again, it's going to be tough against the Niners, but tomorrow night, if they can do enough maybe to, to at least keep us in it, give us a chance to maybe pull off an upset. You mentioned Jalen Hyatt. And Sam and I, I think Sam, I agree to speak on behalf of both of us. We both like Jalen Hyatt. Mm-hmm. Solid player thus far. His stat line was insane. He was one of the five gr- highest graded Giants on PFF, 89.9, second career game. The post play they ran him, that 58-yard catch, I mean, the entire defense is focused on Darren Waller. That Hyatt, every time he runs that post, it hits because you have – the secondary, they were playing soft zone coverage on that play. I think it was cover four, if I remember correctly. And then just nobody was on Hyatt. I mean, Hyatt, that was pure speed. I think when you have a juggernaut like Darren Waller, right, mm-hmm. defense, all eyes are on him, opens up a big, deep threat for Jalen Hyatt. And I think Jalen Hyatt is everything that they were hoping Darius Slayton would be. I think Isaiah Hodgins is everything they were hoping Kenny Galladay would be, right? So (laughs) how dare we mention that name? Um, I love Jalen Hyatt. And so does Mike Santo, by the way, fellow member, Four Corners guy, huge Giants fan. What's going on, Mike? Garth saying, let's go. How is everyone tonight? Good. Hello, Garth. Better this week. For sure. Bit anxious about tomorrow, but overall pretty good. Shout out to Josh Dobbs. He looked good. The first I said half, that last yeah. week, too. I mean, y- yeah. you got to give credit where credit is due. Like, this guy came in, like, he's not expecting to be a starting quarterback, and he's he's carrying his own. He really is. Absolutely. A lot of love for Jalen Hyatt, by the way, from Sean and Mike. Larry Johnson, what is up, Larry? Uh, Cowboys fan there, Brady. A lot of commenters are not Giants fans, just a heads up. <laughs> yeah. What's up, y'all? How do you feel about everyone saying the Cardinals were just tanking? They played to win the game. I don't they think they – yeah, the beginning of that yeah. game looked like they weren't tanking. Yeah. I mean, Larry, as a former football player yourself, would you agree with that? Do you think um, they were actively playing – to tank or playing to win. I mean, every team plays to win, right? But sometimes you won't play the starters. You know, that's your way of like, you yeah. know. But I, I thought they're. Pl- I think they're going to play to win. I think Jonathan Gannon has that team in a decent spot. I know everyone's kind of crapping on him because of the way he talks to the players and whatnot. I think that's all clickbait right now. I could be wrong, but I think their bigger issue is Kyler Murray. I think that's their bigger issue. Yeah, for sure. But, um, bro worked at NASA. Jalen Hyatt worked at NASA? I think uh, Dobbs. I'm pretty sure during the broadcast they showed he, like, interned during the offseason, I think. Or it was when he played down in Florida, I think. He, like, interned Mm. at NASA. Good for him. Absolutely. Damn. Larry thought they gave their all. Absolutely. I want to ask you both a question. And people will say things to the media sometimes just to keep them quiet. Did Brian Dable call plays in the second half? Uh, Sam, we'll start with you here. What do you think? Uh, Jones denied it. Dable denied it. Were they doing it to cover Kafka's ass? Or were they being truthful in saying that? Um, I feel like it's like, it's almost like an extended truth. Like it's probably truth to an extent um, because I was, I was watching Daniel Jones on up and Adams and with Kay Adams and just seeing like how he was answering this question because she was like, what's going on with this? And he straight up said like, he seemed like very confident that he was just like, no, I'm getting my calls from Kafka, but I wouldn't be surprised if Dable walked over to him and was just like, dude, like, come on, like, let's do this. And maybe Dable was just like, hey, let's call this. Hey, let's call this. So maybe it wasn't Dable directly speaking to the offense and giving those plays, but I'm sure that there was some sort of 
you know, push in that direction because there was a, that shift is way too big for one guy to make, one coach to make in in a 15 minute halftime. I I can't believe that he would be able to do something like that. That's I was kind of thinking you? the exact same thing. Like um I I don't think he was like solely just took command all of a sudden at halftime. Yeah. I, it's hard to say exactly maybe who was more of like an influence on the play call. I think Dable at the very least was kind of like in the air, in the ear of um, Jones and Kafka kind of giving his input at least, or his recommendations on um, what plays or, or what to look out for um, on each play. It, it's kind of hard to say when, when you're not part of the team or, or listening in really. Mm-hmm. I, I do think though Dable did, step in to some extent um, and had a more watchful eye on the offense, which definitely worked. So um, I'm not sure if this will immediately take place, but I, I wonder if maybe he'll get a bit more involved in kind of the offensive play calling uh, since with Kafka, at least so far this season, it's been a struggle. And maybe since Dable stepped in a little bit in the second half, it, it worked out. It's very possible, and a win is a win, right? Um, Before we get to our player of the week, quick comment here. Two Giant Goofballs, a New York Giants podcast saying, what's up, everybody? What's up, Two Giant Goofballs? Appreciate you tuning in. I love that name. (laughs) First-time watcher. Uh, If you're interested in collabing, let us know. Sounds like a nice podcast that we're going to have to check out. Um, Appreciate you commenting. Um, Sam? Yeah. Who is our New York Giants player of the week? I mean, I think it's, it goes without saying, but I'll let you break this one down. I mean, who else? What other man could bring us to this victory but our guy, DJ Vanillovic, Daniel Jones? You know, like what? A, I mean, look at this picture. Look at how much emotion he's showing. It's incredible. 26 of 37 for 321 pass yards, two touchdowns and an interception and was sacked three times. Not perfect, but that three that plus 300 yards, my god. Nine rushes for 59 yards and a touchdown. Second half, uh we had 17 of 21 for I mean this is where most of these stats came in in the second half. 259 yards, two touchdown passes, eight rushes for 58 yards, which means he had one rushing yard in the first half. Um and the touchdown. He's the first player in New York Giants history with 250 pass yards, five rush yards, two touchdown passes, and a rush touchdown in one game. And he did this only in the second half, which is incredible performance. Um, The only other player to do this in a half since 2000 was Michael Vick, which is why the Vanilla Vick... nickname fits very well (laughs) Uh, back in 2010 um, and he was only pressured 29.5 percent of the the time compared to the 66.7 from last week which is obviously makes the huge difference in the performance and getting points on the board Uh, the clean pocket 22 30 286 two touchdowns and he finished with a QBR of uh, 79.1 which is not perfect but we'll take it That is our New York Giants Player of the Week, presented by Sam Cardona. Sam, thank you so much, (laughs) as always, for the wonderful graphic. um, Thank you. Brady, were there any other standout players to you? Obviously, you mentioned Jalen Hyatt before, DJ, anybody that really – I want to say Dexter, but Wink didn't have them on the field for a lot of those plays, big plays for the Cardinals, so I – um, I I know there there's a few. <laughs> I'm almost struggling to think off the top of my head. I know like the defense. Yeah, <laughs> late, late in Banks. the game they played well. They're yeah, uh, kind of like Dex and and Leo. I think when they were in, they they weren't like you know making any crazy plays, but they were of course holding their own. Um, I think. I don't know if I go as far as standout, but the whole offensive line, I think I um, got to give a little bit of a round of applause to them, at least in the second half, for for being 
playing much better. And of course there was the, that holding call on Evan Neal, which made things a little scary when it took back DJ's touchdown. Um, but overall, it, it's hard to find some some standouts. I mean, Darren Waller oh, played yeah. well. It's a good but he, he had a good game, made, made a few big catches, especially down the stretch there. Um, honestly, I, I think maybe Jalen Hyatt might kind of get, get my vote if, you mm-hmm. know, for – I guess second place behind DJ as as another standout player, especially as, as a rookie in just his second game. I love John Michael Schmitz, by the way. The man talks like that, this. I knew I was missing something. Yeah. Did you see that video of that tackle of him like literally throwing a grown man on the ground? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Wait, I didn't actually. Tom, did you see uh, Dable yelling at? Wink Martindale on the sideline. Did you see that? Yes, I did. That's is is would you consider that T? Is that borderline T? Or is Um, that just that's just one of those more emotion? Yeah, like you know, obviously struggling and he wants things to work and things aren't working, but he seemed pretty angry at him on the sideline. You know who else got that? Jack Anderson. Remember that? Mm -hmm. We like Jack Anderson. We we did. Uh but Obviously got hurt, didn't make it. But um, so let's move on to you know some news today before we really dive into this game. An old friend was back for a workout. Obviously, Sam, you mentioned the Ben Bredesen injury. Justin mm-hmm. Pugh worked out with the Giants today. A 2013 first round draft pick out of Syracuse. I remember his rookie training camp. I was there. I think it was – how old was I in 2013? I was starting college, so, you know, around that age, late teens. And he's signing autographs, and I got his autograph, um, you know, before they made it 12 and under due to the unfortunate circumstances that happened that one offseason, whatever. But um, really nice guy, and he was always the best of the worst on the Giants' <laughs> offensive line. Uh, they didn't bring him back after his rookie contract, so – yeah. I'd be happy if they brought him back. I would start him over Glow at left guard this week, like literally this week. I would agree. I would agree. And, you know, a familiar face. I know, obviously, this was several years ago, several, 10 years ago, um, that, you know, he's been with his team. So it's not like he's coming into a team that he's familiar with or anything, but the organization he knows. And I feel like Giants fans would probably open arms greet him i feel like um but i mean anybody is better than mike lewinsky i think that's just the bottom line like i will take i agree i would take justin Pugh yesterday over mike lewinsky i mean he, he did what he had to do in the second half of that game i won't take that away from him but overall not uh definitely don't want him to be on our starting roster anymore Brady, thoughts on Justin Pugh? Because remember, when he started the Giants, he was like right tackle, left guard, right guard. He was all over. He was like David Deal in the beginning years. Um, I mean, at this point, I take anyone. Yeah. (laughs) Anyone that that might be able to play the the guard position pretty well. Although, like you said, those guys kind of held their own in the last game. But, of course, Justin Pugh... Obviously, the team's much different, but familiar with the organization. Um, He... You know, looking for a spot right now. I'm sure he's he's motivated too to to kind of join the team. I, I'd love to have him tomorrow. Um, unfortunately, that probably is pretty unlikely. I'd love to have him at least for for the next game, and obviously we have some time between tomorrow and the next one. But yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely love to have Justin Pugh. I, I think he'd fit in well with the guards. I, I think he could probably be one of our, our better guards as well throughout the season. And especially not only do we have our struggles, our lines are a bit banged up right now. So really bringing in anyone we can get to kind of help at the moment, especially someone that's somewhat familiar with the, with the giants would be great. And a decent pass blocker too. Um, it was very good with his hands when he was here blocking the defensive rushers. So uh, we'll potentially be very excited for a reunion. Uh, 
Next up, we got some injury news today heading into our week three preview. And Kevin, we will answer your question very shortly on Saquon Barkley. Obviously, he was rolled out for tomorrow night's matchup against the 49ers. Um, Before we kind of dive into this, Niners favored by nine and a half. I'm surprised the line is that low with two of our three best offensive players out. Nine and a half is a lot of points. Yeah. Um, Saquon is out. They said he's out multiple weeks, which I think there's a chance he could play in week four, but it would be wise, I think, to wait it out a little bit. I think his long-term health is a lot more important. Um, You know, and the 49ers game, I hate to say this to Debbie Down, but it could be a wash, to be honest. It it could Mm -hmm. be a wash because – just the way they play, we don't match up well against them. We we really don't. So, um, but yeah, Kevin, answer your question. He is out tomorrow with uh, the sprained ankle. But when I watched that, it didn't look like an ankle injury. It looked like his back snapped in half. Did you watch that play where he went down? Mm-hmm. It looked much worse than it was. Yeah, not not great. And honestly, no. week four, aren't we playing Monday night? So with yeah. the Thursday game. Yeah, and then a Monday game to play to it's wait for him to play week five. That's a nice long break for for a healing process, I think. Yeah, we got not just for yeah, not just for him too. Guys like Thomas Ojolari, sure. we have a lot of guys out right now. So this yeah. this big break between the San Fran game and the Seattle game is mm-hmm. is pretty crucial to get at least some of these guys back for that because that that. That's probably going to be a pretty big game. No, absolutely. And before we get our outlook on, on this game, I, last meeting was not pretty back in 2020. 36 to 9 game with Nick Mullins at quarterback. Not fun. The all time series is tied 21 to 21. We know these two teams have a rich history. Giants beat the 49ers in the NFC Championship game multiple times in 1990 without scoring a touchdown in that game. 2011 beat them in the NFC title game. The Eli Manning comeback. And uh, the Giants haven't played at San Francisco in five years. They actually won the last matchup. That was the 2018 year where they won, I think it was five games. Barkley was, was a rookie and they won. Um, and the Niners last week, the Rams really stuck with them. The Rams really stuck with them. Again, it's a divisional game, but you know, even though McCaffrey blew up, the Rams really held their own, and I was impressed. Stafford threw two picks. They still scored 23 points. Um, so, yeah, maybe I do hope uh, that – do have some hope that the Giants could pull this one out. You know, I would love to stick it to John Felicia. I don't know. I don't know about either of you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, if you win, great. If if you don't, it's okay. Just move on to week four. This isn't if we lose this game, it's not a loss that's like, oh shit, the season's over. You yeah. know, we won the season saving game, right? In week two. We won the game we were supposed to win. If you lost Arizona, that's it. It's done. But now that you beat them, you move on. If you go to one and two, you can easily bounce back at home, get back to five hundred against the Seattle Seahawks on Monday night football. So not too worried about this game, but I am worried for the protection of Daniel Jones with these two guys both listed out here. Yeah, for sure. And like like you said, you know, I'm kind of going into this game after being very happy with the way that we performed in the second half on Sunday. I think I was going to go into this game no matter, even if we were 2-0, and I think I would go into this game thinking that we we might not win. So I'm. I like to think that I am okay with this loss. I think that for that week one loss, I was so confident, and I really thought we were going to win, and then stick it to the Cowboys in week one, and that was, I think, made it so much harder. But I, I genuinely, I agree with you. I genuinely don't know if this is like if they if we win this game, like that's a huge one eighty from in the last two weeks. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. I just don't see it without Andrew Thomas or without Saquon Barkley. Um, Brady, you mentioned Aziz before, too. Aziz has been hurt since being drafted. 
And I love Aziz. He's one of my favorite players. I mean, hell, five and a half sacks in seven games last year. You could sign me up for that. But if you play 17 and you're not available for most of them, well, screw you. You know, the guy's not training right. I know he tra- he did a lot of different things this offseason to try to get into better shape. But the guy is just a piece of glass. And I love him, too. I love him as a player. But he just – I don't know what it is. He can never – stay on the field. Do we see more of Isaiah Simmons in this game? We saw him a little bit more against the Cardinals. He made a couple plays. Does he start across from Kayvon? Who knows? But that's another player who's been non-existing because the Cardinals game plan was to run away from him. <laughs> they just ran, they just ran away from him. They didn't run anything towards him, you know? Yeah. So I can't say I'm shocked. He didn't put up numbers in the stat sheet. I think the Kayvon stuff is a bit of an overreaction, but who steps up for Aziz? Is it Boogie Basham? Is it Isaiah? O'Shane Zimenez, dare I ask? You're five on the team, still can't set a freaking edge in the NFL. I really want to see more of Isaiah Simmons. I really do. I think that we were so pumped to have him on the team. And I, I would just I would just love to see the more of the Swiss Army knife that we were anticipating him to be. Yeah, especially since well, I know I was he was one of the guys I was hoping we'd draft back when mm-hmm. you know the that draft year so at least to to get him at some point and he he could be very useful in this game or however long Ojolari's out and especially if they they kind of you know go away from Thibodeau a bit having a guy like Isaiah Simmons on the other side would be would be great really but kind of like you guys I'm, I'm also going into this game probably expecting a loss I'm of course, I'm going to be sitting yelling in front of my TV, just like any other game, um, no matter what the score is, probably. But I, I think, honestly, I mean, the, the main goal is to win the game. But at the same time, right up there with that, at least the guys that are playing got to stay healthy. Because if if one of these guys kind of go down, even, even for just a, a few weeks, it can be really detrimental to the season. Absolutely. I, I do agree. My next question is who starts at running back tomorrow night? Is it Matt Breida, the former 49er? Do we see, is it a combination of players? And I ask this because Barkley played what? 65 snaps on Sunday, which is unheard of for a running back. He's not your prototypical running back. That's when they're like, Oh, you know, don't pay Barkley this much money. I get it. I don't want to pay him that much money. He deserves to get paid but I don't want to spend that much money on a running back, but he does so much more for a football team than your average running back does. And good luck telling that to other fan bases that aren't giants fans, you know, Mm -hmm. because we see it, you know, 18 times a year, other fans don't. So it's hard. It's really tough to replace Saquon Barkley on a football field, not just as a player, but as a leader. Right. So, Eric Gray hasn't proven to me that he could pass protect yet. I don't think he should be elevated from special teams yet. Might be a mix of Brita and Brightwell. I hate to say it, yep. but that's what I'm thinking. That's that's exactly what I was going to say. I feel like Brita's going to start, and they're going to swap him out with Brightwell, and then they're going to throw Gray in the mix just to, just a little, just to see what's going on there. But – I think that that that's exactly what's going to happen. And then of course, what's also just going to be scary in general is that Daniel Jones is going to think that he's going to have to run a lot. And yeah, exactly. Leading rusher tomorrow, potentially a hundred percent could happen. Um, So I think that he, and that's scary because this defense is so talented. This 49ers defense that I'm, I don't want. That's every time DJ takes off, it makes me nervous. I'm like, I can't, I can't watch that kid get hurt. It would just, it would hurt a lot for me. I think so. We'll, we'll see what happens. So, who's getting the most touches tomorrow, Brady? Is it Matt? Yeah. Is it DJ? <laughs> it, it might be DJ. I mean, obviously, as the quarterback, he's gonna have the ball in his hands most. But as far as running it. I, it would not surprise me one bit. Um, we've seen it in the past. As far as the running backs go, I, I think it, it will be Brito. Um, probably, like you said, swapping out with Bright. Well, I'd like to see Gray, but like you said, he's he's a rookie. He's young, and 
he hasn't really done too well in the, the pass protect game. Um, I'd like to see him on the, on a couple handoffs, a couple runs, but I'm, I'm not sure if we will and, and how much they trust him. So I, I think Brita, at least as far as the running backs go, will definitely see the most touches, but it, it's going to be scary. But I think Daniel Jones could also play a big factor in the running game as well. Yep. And we've been flirting with this topic before. Uh, starting offensive line for tomorrow night, uh, official projections. I'm going with Azudu because Thomas is out. Glowinski starting at left guard because we're a day out and they haven't signed anybody yet, despite the Justin Pugh rumors. Um, it's either him or Shane Lemieux, quite frankly. JMS at center, McKeithen, and Neil. That's my projection across the O-line. Yeah. Yeah, Any I think that no, I I, I nope. think that that's pretty that's pretty on brand. It's a little scary though having Glowinski <laughs> at left guard. Yeah, there was a time him. there was a time where he was not bad. Uh, <laughs> that was I know three or four years ago. No, yeah. So let's talk, Brady. I have a question for you, and I'll ask this to Sam next. How do the Giants beat the 49ers without Barkley, without Thomas, without Aziz, Bredesen, right? What's the key to victory for Big Blue tomorrow night? How do we shock the football world? To be honest, I think it mainly starts with the defense. It's it's going to be very tough, but I think shutting down or at least containing Christian McCaffrey – would be absolutely huge. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm not necessarily expecting that to happen with the the talent of McCaffrey and some of these other guys. Samuel, I believe Ayuk is questionable for tomorrow mm-hmm. night's game. Maybe a game time yes. decision. Yeah. But yep. if we can kind of slow down their offense, I think that would de- at least keep us in the game. And then for us offensively, I think it's really kind of as simple as playing or trying to play as close to the way you played the second half as possible. Obviously making the jump from the Cardinals to the Niners will change things, but the second half was almost perfect for the team. I'm not expecting it to be that, but to, to play kind of fundamentally sound, no try to limit the penalties as much as possible, really on both sides of the ball, I think would be huge because it's already a tough matchup to begin with, and if, if you're taking bad penalties, that could make it a lot harder. It's a, definitely a good point. Starts with the defense, right? I mean, defensively, give up huge chunks of yardage against the Cardinals last week. So, um, Sam, how do we get this done? Um, yeah, to bounce off of Brady's points, I mean, I think the obvious one is to protect Daniel Jones and to make sure that he performs the way that he did last week in the second half. But I do feel like, um, you know, we, we keep coming back and that's great if we're winning games and everything like that. But I want to be the the team that gets out in front for once. You know, I want to be the one that gets points on the board as opposed to being down here and having to work our way back up in the second half. Like I'd love to just get a very solid, you know, start to a game and feel very confident throughout the entire game as opposed to just in the last like 15 minutes or so. So I think getting out in front, you know, trying very hard to, you know, contain Nick Bosa, to, you know, make sure Daniel Jones has the time to do what he needs to do because we know he can do we don't, what we need him for. So that's definitely what I think is going to happen. And, of course, Christian McCaffrey, Debo, all those guys, like, they could run all over us. We've had trouble with the run in the past. But um, I think that that's one of the main things. Just kind of just get out in front, score points on the board, you know, don't go through the whole first half with two, zero, three points, six points on the board because that's that's where the, the anxiety sets in. And, and it would be nice to get like 14 points on the board in the first half as opposed to none. So, Yeah, I mean, I think getting ahead early is very key. Like you were saying, I mean, 60 to nothing is not going to do it through the first six quarters of the season. I mean, the Niners last year, number one defense in points and yards. 
both. Mm-hmm. That's why they made the NFC title game. I think, how do the Giants get ahead early? Well, yeah, it starts with protecting Daniel Jones, not to sound like a broken record. The man got sacked three times last week by the Cardinals. That's unacceptable. The offensive line played better, but it was mostly better in the second half, guys. Let's not fool ourselves. This is the Cardinals. How does Evan Neal hold up against Nick Bosa? Bosa may not have a sack yet this season, but it's only been two games. John Michael Schmitz against Javon Hargrave. He ate up our interior last year with the Philadelphia Eagles. Now he's with San Francisco. Javon Hargrave might feast on our rookie center. Uh, I hope not. But and last week, the Niners defense is scary. You know, good linebackers. Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner. They pressured Matt Stafford 43% of the time last week. Picked him off twice. Matt Stafford, two picks. You know, part of the reason why the Rams couldn't pull that one out. And I think, how did the Giants protect Daniel Jones? Well, I think using 12 personnel is very key, ladies and gentlemen. They only used it on two plays in the first half last week. And um, the 11 plays, they used it in the second half. By 12 personnel, folks, it's when Waller and Bellinger are both on the football field. Um, Jones was six of seven, 160 yards, four rushes for 29 yards, right? When you have like the 49ers have Arik Armstead, who we haven't mentioned yet, uh, Drake Jackson, who leads them in sacks, Hargrave and Bosa, you need extra blockers going in there. And the reason why the giants brought over Brian Dable's son, I mean, of course, not just because he's Dable's son, but the formation they used at Penn State with three backs behind the quarterback where they all put their hand in the dirt. I'm sure you both saw that formation. Uh, I believe the second touchdown, right, the Barkley run, it came out of that formation. That formation is designed to really split the front seven, and it doesn't allow teams to pack the box as tight as they want on running plays. So when they use that, it works out perfectly. So I think – you know, you want to establish a run that way, get Jones on the bootlegs, on the play action, and, um, yeah, containing McCaffrey is key. He does lead the NFL in rushing, you know? So <laughs> I want to ask you to this, too, when it comes to Brock Purdy. You know, Brock Purdy has been fantastic since entering the NFL, Mr. Irrelevant, played with Brees Hall in college. Remember Andy and I, Sam, were um, – we, we never bashed him on From the Stands, our college talk show, but – we weren't a big fan of his just because everything was like five to 10 yards and like nothing more. Everything was like the underneath stuff. Um, They got to get pressure on him. You have to phase him, right? I mean, Trent Williams, I know McGlinchey left for the Broncos, but they have Colt McKivitz who's really good. Learn behind McGlinchey. Noah Z's. Kayvon's been non-existent. The Giants have no sacks on the season. How are they getting to Brock Purdy? That's my question for both of you. How is that going to happen? It's going to be a journey for sure. And Brock Purdy's a stud. I mean, take him or leave him. He is, is, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty going into the season. We didn't know how he was going to perform. But, you know, they got Trey out of there and Brock was just like, I'm not, you guys aren't going to regret that. You know, like, I'm going to be your guy. And he's been doing really great. And he's, I'm not saying, I'm not comparing him to Daniel Jones. I'm more comparing the situation. It's like when you give him the time, because he has that offensive line, it's like you give him the time, he performs well. Like that's just how guys like Brock Purdy and guys like Daniel Jones do what they need to do on the football field. So they have a guy like Trent Williams, who is like an incredible talent, you know, giving Brock Purdy the time to be Brock Purdy. So I, I'm not sure there's going to be a sack or two this Thursday, but I guess we will see. What do you yeah, think, Brady? I think if there is one, it comes from Dexter up the middle. <laughs> I could definitely see that. Yeah, I, he'd probably be my pick too. But granted, completely different team back then, but absolutely we got to get pressure on Purdy because you've seen – you get pressure on some of the great quarterbacks, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. You force them into mistakes. Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy should be very similar. I, obviously, this defensive line, as far as that goes, has basically been non-existent so far. But if they are able to 
get those get those pressures, force Purdy into mistakes, force him out of the pocket, and and try to make a play. And then I think also kind of going along with that, obviously we have a very young secondary, but I think coverage sacks or or at least the secondary playing some good coverage on some very talented players. It'll be interesting to see what Wink kind of does with that as well, forcing Purdy to maybe hold on to the ball a little bit longer than he likes, not have as many options, and and then maybe the defensive line can get home or or put a little bit more pressure on him. So I think really every level of, of the defense has to has to be involved in a, a pretty big way tomorrow night to try to force the Niners offense into some bad mistakes. All valid stuff. I mean Winning the turnover battle, too, is, I think, super important through pressuring Brock Purdy. Um, we know pressuring Daniel Jones could lead to some turnovers. And Sam, I'm kind of scared of their secondary, too. Deshaun Gibson had five picks last year. Telewona Hafanga had four, and he had a pick six week one. And the Giants lost the turnover battle, not just against Dallas, but against the Cardinals as well. So, I don't know, it just really scares me, you know. But. Mm-hmm. Hufunga is no joke. He's good. Very yeah. good. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's get into our players to watch. Uh, two from each team. Uh, Sam, we'll start with you. Two, you could throw an honorable, you could throw a third in there too if you want. Two or three for the 49ers and for the Giants. For the 49ers, I'm going to go with the guy I've been talking about this whole show, Nick Bosa, um, just because he is just a freaking animal and he is just going to eat up this line um which i'm not excited about but you know it's going to happen um and the other guy i want to toss in there that we haven't mentioned yet is george kittle um tight end you know how much uh we just suck at blocking for tight ends so and george kittle i feel like I mean, he, he's been doing some plays here and there, but like he's not hasn't been as loud in the last two weeks that we have normally heard about George Kittle. So I wouldn't be survi- surprised if he kind of like pops off this week, especially with our defense. Um, and on the Giants side, I'm going to go Daniel Jones because I want to see that same performance that we saw in the second half last week again this week. Um, and then I'm going to keep on, an eye on all the running backs, Brita, Brightwell, Gray, all these guys who are going to be coming in and uh, stepping up for, for Saquon and just, you know, making sure, like, if it's a loss, it's not a horrible loss. Just make this, you know, like, very palatable for me because this is going to be rough if it's, if it's like week one. Okay. Um Brady, what about you? Yeah, uh, sorry about that. My All camera good. lost connection. But, um, Technology got yeah, lost. <laughs> uh, starting with uh, the Niners, I think on the defensive side of the ball, Fred Warner at the linebacker position, he's one of the most arguably underrated, but probably also one of the best linebackers in football. So definitely someone – run pass that the Giants have got to keep an eye on along with guys like Bosa and some of the guys up front. Absolutely. But I think he could be kind of a dangerous game wrecker. Like I said, both on the, the run game and the pass game. Um, I'd also look at, we were talking about him a lot already, but Brock Purdy, I think he, he's still very young, but he, he proved that he could be pretty dangerous so, like I was saying, the Giants have got to gotta get the pressure on them, force them into maybe a few mistakes or uh, get a couple of sacks because if, if the pass rush and the, the coverage is kind of non-existent again, he, he can very well torch us tomorrow night and, and the game could possibly get out of hand pretty quickly. So I think getting to him will be important because if they don't, it could be disastrous. And then along with that, uh, Debo Samuel, he is basically a Swiss Army knife on offense. We saw, especially more so a, a few years back, he was almost used a bit as a running back as well. He can really do it all. And uh, the speed, everything, it, it's almost unmatched. And it, it might be a couple mismatches for us tomorrow night, especially in coverage. 
So I, I think he could be another very dangerous weapon of use tomorrow night. And then on the Giants side of things, uh, honestly, I'd probably look at just the, the running backs as a whole. I guess specifically Matt Breida, assuming he, he gets the main load. The Giants will probably play a bit more of a, a passing game for sure without Saquon. And Daniel Jones will be using his legs a bit more. But the running backs, probably more so Breida, if he if he could get enough blocking, ample blocking, he he's really a guy. Saquon, he he's a bit more of a shifty back, but Breida's more of a guy I feel like that kind of just buries his head in and, and goes wherever kind of the, the line takes him. So if the line can hold up decently for him, I, I think he could certainly be pretty useful for the offense tomorrow night and, and I'm hoping he plays a big role in, in the game for the Giants I would also honestly following up his game last week I'm going to say Jalen Hyatt I I think he he might end up matching up well against some of the, the secondary of the Niners and of course with his, his blazing speed and being a young college guy that, that maybe hasn't quite or a rookie that hasn't quite seen too much NFL action. The the teams might not know exactly what to expect from him. And I, I think he could really feed off of last week, get get a little bit more confidence and be a very dangerous weapon for Daniel Jones, provided that Jones has ample time to throw to him. But um and then on the, the defensive side of the ball, I, I look at maybe two guys to be honest, on both kind of around the linebackers position but we already talked about Isaiah Simmons and, and possibly the pass rush, especially if, if Thibodeau is kind of locked off again. But I look at Bobby Okereke because Dallas, not that anyone was, but he was virtually non-visible. Last game, it, early on, didn't see too much from him, but he, he was a huge part for that defense late. He made a few big tackles, a few big plays in the backfield. And I think kind of much like Fred Warner for the Niners, he he could be a very important part of our defense tomorrow night. All great picks from both of you. Um, yeah, to highlight the Jalen Hyatt thing, the one weakness on the 49ers defense, and someone just mentioned in the comment section, it's their starting corners. You know, Stafford did well against them last week, and people forget, as two giant goofballs mentions, they lost some secondary talent this offseason. You know, their starting corners are Traverius Ward and that guy with the long name, Demandre Lenore. No, I'm probably butchering that, but no, I think that's how you say it, Lenore. Yeah, I think it's French or something. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, for the 49ers, for me, it's I mean, Bosa and Hargrave together on that defensive line scare me, as I mentioned. Bosa, he didn't have a sack last week, but he had three QB hits going up against Evan Neal at right tackle. Huge matchup to watch. Bosa's sky high in PFF grades, even without a sack at 93. That's how good he is. Javon Hargrave stuffs the run, pressured DJ often at Philly last year. He's 330 pounds. He moves like he's 260. Uh, Javon Kinlaw is also a problem up the middle, so really the teeth of that defense scares me. I'm not sure if Brandon Ayuk's going to play. Two touchdowns through two games. He's been impressive, but – I guess the catalyst offensively is McCaffrey. You know, that combo of McCaffrey makes Purdy feel comfortable in the pocket. I mean, McCaffrey has six catches uh, last week, and the 49ers had the third-ranked rushing offense through two weeks, and it's their offensive line up front, you know. Uh, Williams, Banks, Jake Brendel, Spencer Burford, Colton McKivitz, all those guys up front move the piles, combo blocks, Take Dexter Lawrence out of the play. Put two, put three guys on him, and then run at the Giants' edges. So, Mike Martindale better be prepared for that. Um, and then one last guy for Frisco is Drake Jackson. Three sacks, leads the team off the edge. Solid young prospect out of USC. Uh, like him a lot for them. Giants. Waller. 49ers focusing on him should open things up. For guys like Slayton and Hodgins, if Slayton and Hodgins are getting a lot of catches this game and Hyatt as well, it's because Waller is freeing them because Waller is doing his job occupying two defenders over the middle of the field, which opens up the boundaries for Daniel Jones. Um, you know, Brady kind of took my answer, Sammy, to the entire offensive line, as we <laughs> mentioned throughout the show, not just in this segment. Um, 
I'm just nothing can be worse than that Chiefs right tackle week one, right? False starting on like every single play. Um, and then lastly for the Giants, Deontay Banks. And here's mm-hmm. why. Through two weeks, I mean, this is how good Joe Shane did this draft this year. As much as I love Joey Porter, Banks was the better fit for this defense. Uh, quarterbacks only complete 43% of their passes thrown his way. He's given up 30 total receiving yards through two games, and QBs have a 55.7 passer rating against him. Granted, one of those QBs is Josh Dobbs, but week one it was Dak. Dak's been a fringe top 10 quarterback for his entire career. So that, that's pretty impressive going up against guys like Gallup and Cooks on the outside for Dallas. So those are my players to watch. Um, I think we covered everything there. We really dissected the crap out of yeah. it. <laughs> um, so we'll get to our game predictions here shortly. This guy's funny in the comments section. He, you know, he really lives up to his name. Funny, handsome, knowledgeable, the complete package, L-O-O-L. Uh, Not just goofballs. so much giant goofballs. Yeah. Game predictions. So we know the four players that are out for Big Blue. McFadden is questionable. Juan Dale is questionable. Frisco, pretty thin injury list. Just Ayuk with the shoulder, likely out. I'd be shocked if he plays at this stage. Mm-hmm. And then Embry Thomas, their corner, is questionable with a knee. Brady, as the guest, I'll start with you here. Who is winning this football game, and what is your final score prediction? So, unfortunately, I I don't think the Giants will quite get it done tomorrow. I, I do think the Niners will be a little too much to handle for them. I'm usually a bit cautiously optimistic, though, so I'll, I'll say the Giants keep it relatively close for my final score i'll say 33 to 19 san francisco okay sam i hate to i hate to you know make this uh, a sweep possibly if uh, none of us are picking the giants here but like i said even if this performance didn't happen this past Sunday you know even back when the schedule came out I wasn't expecting this to be a win um just because of the short week uh because of the team that we're going up against I am gonna go Niners here I'm gonna keep it a little bit closer than Brady um I'm I'm feeling like we we can we can make this a little bit of a battle here um I'm gonna go 28 21 uh just one touchdown I had um, and uh, I, I just, I honestly just really wanted to be a good game. I want to see them play the way that they played last week. And if I see that and we lose, I will still be happy with the performance. Yeah, I have similar scores to both of you. I have Frisco winning 27 to 17. Um, their rookie kicker is really good, by the way, too. He can hit deep field goals. Jake Moody, he's really good. I like him. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just a better football team. They might be the best team in the NFC right now. Um, I think so. People do fear that they could fall into a trap game here and that they're due for a loss. Because the last time they were 3-0, and they went to the Super Bowl, 2019. They, they went to the big game. Um, I have the 49ers running 27-17. I think the Giants get off to a 3-0 lead. Finally, they get off to a lead. Frisco <laughs> scores 10 straight. The Giants score a touchdown. They tie it up 10-10 at the half, and then Frisco outscores the Giants uh, 17-7 in the second half for my final score. Prediction, putting the Giants at 1-2. and two. But my gosh, was this fun. Uh, <laughs> appreciate Brady, you joining tonight. Uh, Sam, awesome stuff as always. Uh, Brady, how do you feel? You know, your first show with us. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Anything you want to add anything you want to plug? Um, I absolutely enjoyed it. I'd, I'd love to come back once in a while if, if you guys are free and, and want someone on to, to talk Giants. Hopefully hopefully they have a, a better season than seemingly anticipated early on. Also, if there's any baseball fans watching, I am a part of the Review and Preview baseball show, Santa Maria, 
usually every Thursdays at 2 p.m. along with Andrew Scarpacci, Anthony Hines, and Ryan Botcher, where we talk all baseball. Unfortunately, our New York teams are atrocious. Um, It would make it a little bit more fun if, if we had some October baseball to look forward to in the area, but especially a lot of things to talk about with um, the the push for the playoffs coming up soon. So if you're into baseball too, absolutely check that out. But yeah, thank you so much guys for having me on tonight. Thank you. This has been awesome. Sam, where can people find you and your work? So right now I've been focusing mainly on the unsolicited podcast with Sam and Jordan. Uh, hosted by me and not the one and only Sporty Jordy, as many people who have watched the show religiously know, are a resident Eagles fan. Um, and we actually have a new episode coming out tomorrow at noon. Uh, you can find us at the Unsolicited Podcast on um, YouTube. Um, and we're on all social media at the underscore unsolicited podcast. We have a guest on this week, it's our first guest we've ever had on our podcast. So it's going to be very, very exciting. Make sure to go check Brady and Sam out. Brady at Santa Maria. You can see that here on this platform, Reviewing Preview Sports tomorrow at 2. Sam, unsolicited podcast with Sam and Jordy. Um, awesome content as always. And make sure to check out their interview with their special guest tomorrow. And if for some reason you like what you watch for me tonight and want to check out additional content, <laughs> Uh, review preview is on once a week. Usually do pre-recorded segments. Um, I hammered the Titans money line last week and got it with Andy Hopper. Won him some cash. <laughs> and then we are also Andy and I are also on from the stands with Brian McCardle. If you like to watch three dudes talking college football, analyzing these young uh, draft prospects, that's the place to go. From the stands, sports U.S. Brady, thank you so much again. This has been a pleasure. Hope to have you back very soon. Uh, Sam, looking forward to chopping this back up with you next week. On behalf of Brady Campbell, Sam Cardona, my name is Tom Scavetta. Make sure to check us out on all of our social media, Big Blue Avenue, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. We appreciate all of your support. And without further ado, let's go Big Blue.